time you might be listening it's bonzi larry wilson and we are the urban paranormal uh, pursuit podcast which uh, big news we've got a youtube channel now and we're getting ready to post the entire season one um on our youtube channel and you'll be able to catch that in its entirety very very soon uh larry wilson thanks for joining us again buddy thanks, and yeah thanks for having me man i i I, I every time I see him, I mean, this has just flown by. I mean, it's <laughs> it gone has. really fast. Even though these episodes are almost taking an hour now, because Larry's stories take that long to tell. <laughs> but we've we've done eleven episodes, man. This oh. is this is episode eleven. Like you said, it's just flying by, man. But, but what you know, you know me. When we talk about the paranormal, <laughs> I mean, I could talk about this twenty four hours, twenty four seven. Yeah, and time flies when yeah. I'm, and so much of it, it connects to each other, you know, and it's it really it's really crazy how all of our stories somehow connect. Like today, uh, Will Hill, uh, the first uh, real investigation that, that we went on with you here as a radio station, you've been there many times, and it's just crazy how these stories connect to so many different people uh, locally here right. in, in Illinois. I yes. mean, it's just, it's insane, the connection, and, you, and you've experienced it many times, when you've gone on speaking engagements or played evidence or told stories, so many people have had things happen or known things that have happened at Will Hill. Things have gone on there for years. And I mean, there's some locals that, that even live on the Hill that never have experienced anything. But then there's others that it's always out of the blue, you know, when they least expect it, that things yeah. happen. But, you know, as you know, I, I wrote a book about it this past year. year and uh, and since the book came out, I've had tons of people contact me with their stories. Right, you know, and they, you can get the book on Amazon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just called Strange Williamsburg Hill. Strange Williamsburg Hill. If you just look up Larry Wilson on Amazon uh, Books, will you be able to find that, you think? Yeah, you okay. will. And uh, to, to give you an example how, how many people are, are aware of this stuff uh, down there, um, when the book came out, I, I shared it with uh, a guy that was the editor for the local newspaper, and you know, when you share something on Facebook, I, I usually get maybe, you know, four or five shares. It got 390 shares. That's crazy, man. It was because the people down there, <laughs> they want to hear about this yeah. because they've experienced it. You know? Right. And it's a very, I'm telling you, man, this, you know, when Larry tells you, guys, listen, when Larry tells you how creepy, I hope you describe the cemetery and how yeah. you drive up. To, I really hope you do, because the way you describe it, when you're telling it, it's always in the back of my brain, like, man, he, he's making it sound scarier. He's making it sound creepier. I'm telling you right now, I've never been creeped out like I was that night. I, mean, I was creeped out driving up to that cemetery in the dark. And I, it, it's legit. You're telling the truth about this yeah. place. It's creepy. And the it girls is. that were with us, I mean, they didn't, they were, she was crying before we even got there. I remember Taylor, who was uh, intern Tunamel at <laughs> yeah. the time. We had to stop the car on the way in yeah. down the lane to she the cemetery. Breathe. Well, she had she's gonna she's gonna you know she thought she had to throw up, and we had to stop at the stop the car and it's crazy man. open the door. So we're not going to talk about our investigation very much here. We're going to talk. Larry's going to give you kind of a brief intro into Will Hill and the story behind it and some of the stuff that's happened to him and the stories. We've got some EVPs we were going to play for you guys here, but um, this is again episode eleven. Will Hill. 
And um, if people are going, Will Hill, Will Hill, why have I never heard about this? Well, it's got a different name too, right? So I'm just going to turn it over to Larry, let you take it away. And uh, this is episode 11. Well, before I get into the history uh, hauntings in my investigations, I kind of wanted to point out that uh, more and more paranormal investigators are discovering what are called paranormal hotspots. Uh, this is where there's a variety of paranormal activity taking place. A, a prime example would be Utah's Skinwalker Ranch, which is now, you know, there's a television series on it. Uh, it's probably the most famous example. But I would place Williamsburg Hill in this same category. Um, I say this because the hill, the cemetery, uh, the surrounding woods, they're, they're a, a, a veritable paranormal stew of strange activity. Uh, and they have been for years. Uh, people have encountered things that range from, you know, mind-blowing to terrifying, uh, ghostly and ghoulish-looking figures, mutilated cattle, UFOs, orbs of light that, that you know, just like dazzling maneuverability, um, you know, and, and I'll discuss a little and bit the, of that yeah, today. Yeah, and you know, and the UFO thing has really now, when you know, when you and I first met, anytime you'd bring that up, I don't know why I was so close-minded um, I, maybe it's just the skeptic again coming out in me, you know, that I, I, I have to see it to believe it. Right, you know what I mean? Right. But just in recent years, you know, with all the government stuff and the UFO video that we've seen, you know, I mean, who knows what any of this stuff is? It's just in more. It, and UFO doesn't mean from outer space. Right. It could be a lot of I mean, there's a lot of people, including now scientists that are thinking that we're. There's a world within our world, right? You know, interdimensional right. stuff. So, so, and, and and I've done a lot of reading and, and and watching videos, and and my my thing now is okay. Why not? Right, right. Why not? And so now I'm a little more open to it. And yeah. you're right. Will Hill is or, or would be the perfect spot. To see that stuff, I mean, it's 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 perfect. Sorry, I didn't yeah, mean to no, cut you off. No, but no, that's you're that's exactly fine, right. and, and that's very true. You know, and I think all this stuff's somehow connected. You know, we've talked about that before, but uh, but you know, being out there, you know, I personally have heard disembodied voices, muffled screams, you know, coming from beneath the ground in the nearby woods. So um, today, not only will I talk about you know the things that I witnessed and the evidence I recorded, but uh, I'll also give you um, I'll also talk about some of the strange accounts others have told me firsthand. Um, but before we get into that, even uh, let me explain a little bit about where the hill is and, and a brief history of it. Um, Williamsburg Hill and Ridge Cemetery are located in central Illinois, uh, not far from Tower Hill. Um, the graveyard's pretty easy to find it as it sits on top of Ridge at the top of the hill. And the hill itself stands over 800 feet high, so it's the highest point in downstate Illinois. Um, from research I've conducted, I found out that the hill is made up of a mound of limestone covered by five feet of topsoil. And I bring up limestone uh, because there seems to be a correlation between large amounts of limestone and locations with an abundance of paranormal activity. Uh, places like Quincy and Alton, Illinois, Hannibal, Missouri, and Atchison, Kansas, which you've been to, um, all have numerous locations reporting paranormal activity. And much like Williamsburg Hill, they're all located in areas with a high concentration of limestone. So limestone seems to be some type of a trigger mechanism for paranormal activity. Um, Do they it, know why? Well, what the connection between limestone and paranormal stuff is? Yeah, well, possibly because um, there's another really good uh, investigation going on by a man named David Politis. He's a uh, an ex-cop. But uh, he's investigating strange occurrences of disappearing people in national forest. But most of the areas where all these cases, and there's clusters of cases, but most areas where these are taking place are located near boulder fields, boulder fields of granite. And much like limestone, 
uh, granite has quartz in it, and they think quartz may have something to do with the prevalence of paranormal activity mm. and even the recording of paranormal activity. But no understanding of why, though. Uh, no, not really. Yeah, you know, they could they they give theories, but there's okay. there's no true understanding of why. Okay, but it just seems that the areas located where they have an abundance of, of right. And if you're listening to this podcast and you have a theory or you've got an explanation, we'd love to hear from you. We've got oh, a new absolutely. email now, the paranormal pursuit podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Larry and I will both see that. So uh, that's a new email. We'd love to hear from you guys or just leave messages on the Facebook page or the uh, YouTube channel later on uh, when we post it there as well. Yeah. Yeah. The theories are welcome. Um, as far as the history of the Hill um, at one time, there was a village uh, known as Williamsburg and it was also called Cold Spring but it's set on a ridge at the top of the hill. Uh, Dr. Thomas Williams and William Horseman founded the village in 1839. Williams was a medical doctor who also owned a general store in addition to his medical practice. But for some 40 years, uh, Cold Spring survived as a thriving village. Uh, it housed a blacksmith shop, doctor's office, two churches, a saloon, post office, and an eight-room inn that was used as a stagecoach stop. The, the primary success of the village was due to the stagecoach route, which ran from Shelbyville to Vandalia and passed through the village. But it's rumored that uh, Abraham Lincoln was at times a passenger on the stagecoach and even stayed at the, uh, at the inn at Cold Spring. Um, in 1880, the Beardstown, Shawneetown, and Southeastern Railroad was built, and the owners of the railroad decided to bypass the hill. So when they did this, basically the stagecoach route died out, and when that happened, so did, so did uh, Cold Spring. So today, basically all that's left of the once thriving village is just some remnants that are covered. Uh, I believe it's on the, the, the south side of the hill, I believe, in, the, in, in a wooded area, but it's just covered with you know, timber, so you really can't see it anymore. Um, but finding the, uh, the cemetery is, is fairly easy because um, you know, when you see this tall hill as you're driving toward the area. That's it. There's a microwave tower on the top of this hill that you can see from miles away. And at the top of the microwave tower is a road. You turn left on this road. Uh, I think it's called 590 and Counting Road, if I remember right. But anyhow, the, uh, just off the main road, and it's hidden among trees. It's what I call an odd place. It's very odd. Uh, because you're driving down this narrow road. The last thing, if you didn't know where you were and you were driving down this road, the last thing you expect is going to dead into a cemetery. Right. How long would you say that road is? I'm trying. Uh, I'm trying to guesstimate right now. It's it's probably over a quarter of a mile. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Something it's, like it's, that. It's not a short drive. No, you've got to go slow. No, and, and basically, so once you once you arrive at the tower, you turn left, just follow the road. Um, and the road narrows, and that's what kind of makes it creepy because you kind of get the feeling that you're driving in, in a tunnel because in the daytime, yeah, I mean, it's not pitch black, but it's dark even in right. the daytime. The trees are all the covering over yeah, the road. Yeah, the proximity of the trees. There's trees are, laying down really, in the middle of the road. Absolutely. Um, but at times you feel like, you know, that as you're driving or walking, I've walked the road several times too, but as, as you're driving or walking down the road, you feel like the trees have eyes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, based on a, on, a, on a story I'm going to tell you today um, – Maybe they do, you know, and uh, but um, but after hearing stories about the graveyard, that's why I first went out there. And uh, when I did, I expected to find this uh, desecrated old graveyard, but I was surprised because it's well maintained. I think Shelby County, I believe, takes care of it. 
it was well mowed and everything, you know. And sometimes the grass gets taller in the summer when you know when the the, the rains it rains a lot and they can't get out there. But quick question: Does that fence that's up there before you get into the cemetery? I don't think I ever asked you this. Does that fence go all the way around it no. or just at the entrance? No. Uh, oh, you mean the the cemetery? Right. Yeah, yeah. I think at one time it did, but no longer does. Right. It's just it's, right there at the front. Then, right. When you walk right. in. Okay. And I, and I will say this for people that go out there, and if you want to go out there at night, you may want to contact law enforcement first because right as you turn there at the microwave tower. There's a video camera there, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. monitor people going in and out right, there right, after right. hours. So just be careful if you do go out there, right? You know, so uh, but yeah, but uh, but the the place is just it's creepy. Yeah, and uh, it's a giant circle cemetery, right? Yeah. Like that's that's how it's set up, right? It's surrounded. It's completely surrounded by by woods. Yes, you know. So and that probably gives it a little bit more of the creepy definitely the creep factor. Creepy. Um, but I've been at other cemeteries surrounded by woods, and you don't get the same feeling. But it will hill. You can be out there at times, and everything feels fine. And then just out of the blue, it feels like, I, I need to get out of here. Right. You know? I'm so. telling you right now, man, like, you know, that was our first investigation with Larry. Um, and Sarah was with me. Uh, Taylor, our former intern, was with me. Taylor, who's on WFMB for a while. And um, you're absolutely right. I mean, sometimes you just walking up to it, I kind of was creeped out. But then once I got in, I felt comfortable. Yeah. But then when I went to a different spot in the cemetery, I felt weirded out again. There was a story that we're going to tell about when we first got there and I sat down and something happened. Yeah. So like, you're it's right. It's weird the different emotions and feelings you have inside that cemetery. Well, what you brought up about sitting down somewhere, that was in our investigation. I'm going to mention something that happened during another investigation, the same thing that happened yeah, to you. That's crazy. Yeah, it's very crazy, but uh, uh, I've talked to people who have been in the cemetery, and they've told me that, you know, it's just like I just said, uh, everything's fine, and then all of a sudden, I had to leave, Right, and they do. So how many times have you been to Will Hill, would you oh, say? 150 times. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> you have not been 150 times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Times. Yeah, I go out there all the time. And, wow. And, and, and not so much the last couple of years, but over the years I have, because it's it's only 40 miles from my house. Wow. You know, so I would go out there and just walk around, try to record things, but... Um, so, I mean, well, we're not going to talk about all 150 times. Uh, no, right? no, okay, no. So, so no, how, how, no. Are we, how are you going to well, guide us a, through this? And that's thing? another thing. And that may be part of why even people that have lived on the hill for years say, I've never had anything happen, you know. Well, 150 times that I've been out there or more, I've had a handful of experiences, you know. Uh-huh. So not something happens every time you're out there. Right. But why? That's another, that's another question. Right. Why? Why is that, you know? All right. So where are we going first? Um, I want to talk first about. Um, a story about that's called a woman in black. Okay, and I never heard the story before I started investigating the hill. But uh, I I got in contact with a lady named Kathy. I found a story of hers on a this like a paranormal uh, I guess you would call it uh, a blog blog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And she was telling the story about what happened to her in two thousand six. So I I knew where she was from based on the blog. So I contacted her, and she met me at Will Hill one day. And she told me several stories, but I'm only going to tell you one of the stories she told me today. But uh, she's from Pena, and she'd been going out there for years because she knew the stories, and she'd had a couple experiences. But on this one particular day, uh, it was Kathy and her daughter and her six-year-old granddaughter. And uh, they even brought lunch with them that day. They were going to stay there the whole day and see if they could experience anything. But it didn't It didn't take long before they did. Um, the daughter or the uh, granddaughter immediately uh, – took off playing. She went to the southeast corner of the cemetery. How old was the granddaughter? Uh, six. Okay. Six years old. And I, I, I should say, too, that the southeast corner of the cemetery, for whatever reason, most of the experiences I've had 
and in pretty much everything that's ever been recorded by me or by you, because you guys recorded things too on our investigation, has happened in the southeast corner. So uh, the little girl wanders off to the southeast corner of the, of the graveyard. She's playing, and Kathy and her daughter are just kind of looking at some of the tombstones, just kind of moseying along. And all of a sudden, the granddaughter comes running back, yelling, you know, Grandma, Grandma. And they knew she was upset. And so when she got to them, they said, you know, what's wrong? And uh, and I don't remember her name. Um, I want to say Kylie, but that's wrong. But anyhow, um, she says, uh, Grandma, the woman over there, she asked me if I want to play with the children. And the little girls looked at her grandmother, she, and, and the grandmother told me, she said, she's just got this terrified look on her face. And she says, uh, but when I asked the lady where the children were, she told me they're under the ground. And Kathy said, a, just a cold chill went down my spine as soon as she said that. And we immediately looked up, and there's nobody over there. So the, the daughter and the grandmother, they, they take the, the little girl, and they go over to the, the, the corner of the cemetery looking for this lady, and she's not there. And there's only one way in and out of that cemetery, I mean, other than going through the woods. Uh, one but road, you would hear that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hear, if someone's trucking through the woods, you're going to hear that. Absolutely. Because you're that close. Yes. And Kathy said, well, she said, Larry, she said that we were the only car there. Nobody passed us, you know, to get through the gate. We went over there. There's nobody there. So we asked my granddaughter what this lady looked like. And she described the woman as wearing a long black dress. She had her hair pulled back up in a bun. She had like grayish hair and she was an old woman. And, uh, they said, like Kathy, just like you said, said there's no way this woman, if she had a long black dress on, is walking through that timber because there's all kinds of obstacles, you know, down limbs, down trees, you know, briars, all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, so they said they know she didn't go that way, and they know that she didn't pass us because it's like she just vanished. And then it wasn't, uh, it was the next year, uh, a paranormal uh, colleague of mine named Ed Osborne, uh, I had told him some stories about Will, but I never told him that story. But anyhow, I gave him directions, and he went out there on a Sunday afternoon he and another gentleman, and they pulled in. Again, there's no other cars there. And he said, we walked into the cemetery, and he said, immediately when we looked to the, again, southeast corner, he said, we see this older woman there, and she's knelt down at this grave. And he said, I thought it was odd because um, here's two strange men in a rural secluded cemetery, and there's a woman there by herself, an elderly woman, and she didn't even act like she cared we were there. She didn't even acknowledge us, you know. So Ed said, we, uh, we just kind of started looking at some of the older tombstones. And he said, I'm just talking, he said, just a few moments. And I glanced back up to see, you know, what she was doing. And she was gone. So he said, nobody came to pick her up. There were no other cars out there. So they, they took a walk or a hike over to that, uh, that corner of the cemetery. And they said, she was just gone. So I asked Ed if he could describe the woman. And again, this is without knowing what the other woman looked like. And he had described her identical woman with her hair pulled back in a bun, older lady uh, wearing a black dress. And I, I, I've talked to some of the locals out there, a couple that live over the hill, and, they, and they've lived out there their entire life. And I asked him about, is there any woman, and I described what, what the description of the woman was, and is there any woman that lives out here that, that you would know who she would be? And they said, there's no one out there. He said, matter of fact, we're probably the oldest couple out here. And when I talked to them, this has been about you know 10 years ago, but anyhow— uh, when I talked to them, they were probably in their 50s, you know, and they said we were one of the oldest couples out here, you know, but they, <laughs> there was no one like her out there. So, but anyhow, that was one of the coolest stories I was told. And another story I want to talk about real quick is uh, there was a caretaker out there one day. It was on a Sunday afternoon, and I was doing a little bit of filming and, and you know, was uh, taking notes and stuff, trying to 
get ready to do a little documentary, which never I never finished. But anyhow, I, I walked up to this gentleman, and he introduced himself. His name was Jason. And I told him what I was doing. I said, have you ever had any weird experiences out here? And he said, uh, yeah, I have. And he said, matter of fact, it's one I'll never forget. He said, uh, a lot of times my— he said, Jason, I'm, an older guy? No, no, he's probably—and again, I'm just guessing age. Late 30s maybe okay. at that time, maybe late 30s, maybe 40. Okay. And, um, and he said, uh, I, I come out here, I mow the cemetery for the county. And he said, a lot of times my mom will come with me, and she'll trim around the uh, tombstones, you know, and then I'll, I'll mow and she trims. Well, we finished up, and he said, I had a fairly new John Deere uh, riding tractor, and I, I parked it on top of the hill. Now, when you walk into the cemetery, you can notice that it's on, a, it's on a ridge. So the center of the cemetery is at the highest point, and then it slopes down pretty much on all sides. So he was at basically the highest point of the cemetery, and there's a big oak tree there. And he had parked his tractor there. And he said, Mom wanted to look at some of the older stones kind of on the north side of the cemetery. So they walked down the ridge there. And although from, from the, uh, the drive, it doesn't look like that part of the cemetery is very steep. But if you walk down the north side of the cemetery— It is, yeah. It's and, a hill. And you look up. It's a hill. You oh, yeah, can't yeah. see the top of the hill. No. Now. So he said, we were down there. We said, we were down there more than five minutes at the most. And we came back up to the top of the hill. And when we did, my tractor was gone. And he said, he said, I put it in gear before we did our walk, you know, so it, so it wouldn't roll. But he said, if someone had started it, we would have heard him. If it would have rolled, we would have heard it rolling. And uh, he said, if uh, there'd been other people out there, we, we would have heard them too. But anyhow, he said that the, the big thing is if my tractor had rolled, it should have crashed into multiple tombstones and it didn't. So anyhow, they started looking for this thing. They, they walked all over the cemetery. They walked around the edge of the cemetery. And then they got to what I guess would be the south corner of the cemetery. They noticed, they found the tractor sitting in the woods. It was turned completely around, facing the way it would have had to roll if it did roll. And, of course, it should have knocked down, you know, brush, and there should have been tracks leading into the, to the woods uh, of the tractor entering the woods, but there wasn't. He said it was just like somebody had lifted the tractor up, carried it to the woods, and set it in the woods. But he said, I couldn't explain it. But, you know, he, he got his tractor out. But he said, you know, to this day, I have no idea what yeah, happened. that's crazy, man. <laughs> it's just like it, it vanished into thin air and then reappeared in the right. woods. So, I mean, what would, what, what would do that? Uh -huh. I mean, I don't think you're talking about a ghost doing that. Right, you know, right, would, right. Would a ghost have that kind of abilities? But, but those were two of the primary stories that really, really got me focused on Williamsburg Hill. Then in, uh, you know, I started investigating there in 2006. And um, in 2008 was my first real experience. I'd never filmed at night out there, so I wanted to get some video footage at night. And this was in June of 2008. It was, uh, I didn't get out there till 9.30, 10 o'clock. And when I arrived, it was dark, you know. And as you can vouch, it's pitch black out there. And it was overcast this particular night, so it was really dark out right. there. So, so anyhow, I wanted to get some video. So what I did was... I carried my equipment to that large oak tree that I just talked about in the top of the hill in the center of the cemetery, and I set up a video camera, and I recorded there for about a half hour. And then I wanted to then go down to the road and shoot some footage up the road because I'd heard stories, of, and this same Kathy lady had seen this man, but we won't go into that story today. But there's stories of an old man that's seen wandering the road that basically just vanishes. So I decided, well, let me set my camera up on the— on the uh, in the parking area and face it up the road, and so as I'm as so I'm taking my camera down, I left it on the tripod and I left my equipment by the uh, oak tree, 
I'm starting to head down the hill back toward the cemetery gate when just out of the blue, there was this loud, shrill, come here type whistle. And I mean, it was a shrill whistle. And the first time I heard it, I mean, it sounded like a person. It just sent a cold chill down my spine. But I started listening, didn't hear anything else. And I'm thinking, man, that had to be some kind of a bird. So I, I started walking down the hill. I got about another 20 yards toward the uh, cemetery gate, and it happened again. And it was just a clear, shrill, come here type whistle, like somebody takes their two fingers, puts it under their tongue, you know. I can't do it. But like you, a or a... Yeah, yeah, like a come here, yeah, okay. the, like you just did first, okay. only the real shrill. Gotcha, Somebody gotcha, can gotcha. really do a good job at whistling could do that. But anyhow, so it happened again, so I'm thinking, man, there's somebody in the woods. So I continue on down the hill. It happens again, again, same shr- loud, shrill whistle. But what's happening is when I first heard the whistle, it was to what I would call the west. And the second time I heard the whistle, it had moved about 20 yards with me as I'm moving through the woods. But the thing was, there was no sound of movement in the woods. I didn't see any lights in the woods. And I'm looking for to see if I could see anything. And there was nothing there. So the third time I heard the whistle was even closer. So then, you know, I continue moving, but I know I'm thinking to myself, man, there's somebody in the woods <laughs> and they're, they're playing a joke on me or right. something, you know, but there should have been movement and there wasn't. So anyhow, I take my tripod and the camera and I set the camera up so it will face up the road. And I'm only about 10 feet from the woods to the north. And so as I'm setting my camera up, all of a sudden the shrill whistle happens again and it's right there at the edge of the woods, no more than 10 feet from me. And, and I'm thinking, you know, you think a lot of things go through your mind. So it's one thing, you know, you're scared. And you don't know what the motive might be if there is somebody there or somebody's there because there, there would have to be more than one the way it moved through the woods in stealth silence, you know. So I kind of slowly just kind of glanced, didn't see anything. I didn't shine my light in there because I didn't want to know whoever was Spook in there. Spook someone messing with you, yeah. Right. I didn't want them to know that I knew there might be somebody there. So anyhow, I, I started my camera, just let it roll, and I'm thinking to myself, man, if there's some crazy in the woods out here, I'm not going to leave my expensive equipment up by that tree. I'm going to go back up and get it. So I walked back up the hill, and as I proceeded back up the hill, the exact same thing happens. The whistling starts moving again back toward the north. Um, the whistling happened three different times until I got to the tree where my where my equipment was, but it was like it was moving back the same direction it had come before. So I get to the tree, and I get into my equipment, and a lot of paranormal investigators believe that there's a temperature drop when there's spirits or some type of paranormal activity. So I took my laser-pointed thermometer out of my equipment bag, and I pointed it at, towards the north and you know turned it on. And it was about 80 degrees that night. And, I mean, I, I turn this thing on, and it just starts – temperature starts dropping. It goes from the 70s, and then it, it basically gets into the low to mid-60s. And then this laser-pointed thermometer, and you've seen it. You've uh-huh. used it before. It scans the temperature, so you might get, you know, 60, 61, 60, yeah, right, 59, right, 60, right. like that. It just keeps scanning. This thing locked on 66.6 degrees or 666, and as a lot of people know that, you know, in the Bible it talks about the sign of the beast or the devil being 666. But anyhow, whether it was a, a fluke or not, that thing locked for about 30 seconds on 666, 
And it's, it, it was enough. Basically, it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back saying, yeah, maybe it's not a good idea that you're out here tonight. Maybe come back another day. So I um, I, I, I packed up my equipment. <laughs> you're said, like, I'm out of here. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether to be scared of the boogeyman or be scared of the real man that's out there. Exactly. In the <laughs> and, and what the motive could be. Um, but so as I proceed back down the hill, the whistling follows me again, just like it did before. And and I'm at this point adamant that there can be nobody in this woods or I would hear. I've walked in the woods in the daytime. You can't be quiet in there. I don't care. I don't care if you're, if you're special forces. <laughs> you couldn't be quiet in the in the woods. And I talked to a, a local hunter out there, and I told him my story. First, he said, you know, it might be some guys just playing jokes on you. And then when I told him my story, he said, oh, man, no way. He said, there's nobody that could be that quiet in the woods. So I get back down to my camera, and what was weird was my my – LCD screen on the camera was completely black, and it has a, a range of about 15 feet of infrared, you know, and all of a sudden, it, the camera's still running, but the screen's, screen's just black, and the only time the screen should go black is, you know, if the batteries are dead, but it was running. So when I get to my camera, like I said, 10 feet from me, the last shrill whistle happens again, and it's just like, man, this is enough for tonight. I'm getting out of here. Right. So I, 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 I didn't even fold up the tripod. I just closed the tripod up. <laughs> I, I opened my passenger door, kind of threw the camera and tripod in the passenger seat, got back in. And I remember getting in when I, I got in to, and I put the key in the ignition. I just remember, please start, you know. And it started. My engine fired up. And I turned around, but I, I, I looked in my rearview mirror the whole time out of there, you know, thinking I'll be back another day. But I didn't see anything because it was too dark to see anything. So let me ask you this. You, you've been to the Velisca house, yeah. the Sally house, by yourself. Two of the most uh, well-known, uh, dangerous, scariest, uh, uh, evil, negative places on the planet. And you, I've never heard you talk about being that uncomfortable or quote-unquote scared yeah this is the only time in you were what what was the difference i mean why, why do you think that it was different something i knew it wasn't a person but i didn't know what it was and and the thing about being out at ridge uh, ridge cemetery by yourself you are by yourself i mean there's nobody there to help you if you need help uh nobody's going to hear you you know and uh, there's only one way in and out of there so um it was i think it was a combination of everything um, not knowing what was out there, I thought it's the better part of valor sometimes is discretion. So I thought it's time to get out of here. And it was, you know, several weeks later, I talked to Cheryl, the psychic, you know, I, I, uh, I, I keep in contact with her and, and I told her what happened. And I said, do you think what was there was good or bad? And she said, Larry, anything that ever invites you into the darkness is never good. And that stuck with me, you know, and that was in 2008, but I never forgot that. Yeah. Um, and, and I, but you've been there 150 times. Yeah. I, I still go back <laughs> and nothing but has ever happened like that scary for you again or not like that. Okay. And, and to answer your question, cause you mentioned those other places, the two, when people ask me the scariest moments, I would say that particular moment and the moment the night I stayed all night in the Sally house basement by, by myself. And when my equipment shut down, when I asked right. a question in that basement. So those two times, um, were probably the most scariest hmm. in 21 years. That and and that the Williamsburg Hill was the only time in 21 years that I've ever left a location. You know. Wow. And uh, and and if the same thing happened again, I probably would leave again. Um, so uh, let me get to my June 2010 investigation. Um, this was, and I've mentioned these two uh, folks before, but with me on this particular night was a lady named Janet and uh, an investigator named Chris. And Janet um, had told me and talked about how she's a little bit um, sensitive to spirits, you know. And um, 
I she I didn't know her well enough where she's actually had had actually uh, had proved it to me until one night um, I, I just said to her just out of the blue kind of kind of you know testing her I guess I just said um you know what's my what's my what's my favorite sports team you know I just said what's my favorite sports team we're out we're, we're out at Will Hill when I ask her this so what's my favorite sports team she says um I'm not really sure but she says something keeps. I see, keep seeing a picture of the Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics have been my favorite basketball team since I've been a little kid, you know. So, so that kind of made me think, well, maybe she does have some kind of sensitivity. But this particular night after we arrived, we were carrying our equipment over to the southeast corner because I'd explained to them that the southeast corner is where, we've, you know, where most of the activity takes place and where I get most of the odd feelings. So as we're walking over there, we're not quite to the southeast corner, and out of the blue – uh, this Janet says, um, there's a woman in a blue dress over there. So Chris and I look, and we didn't see anything. She said, there's a woman in a navy blue dress standing by that gravestone. So anyhow, again, we didn't see anything. We shined our lights. There's nothing there. And I said, well, then I started thinking. I said, well, can you describe her? She said, yeah, she's this, it's an older lady. Uh, she's got grayish hair, and her hair's pulled back in a bun, and she's wearing a navy blue dress. And immediately then I told Chris and Janet the stories about the woman in black after that. And I started thinking, well, if she's sensitive to spirits, a black navy blue could look black in broad daylight yeah, if it's if sure. it's a deep dark navy yeah. blue. So I'm wondering if she actually saw the woman in black. Only we couldn't see him because we're not sensitive to spirits like she is, right. you know. So that that made a lot of sense. But we head over to the southeast corner. We set up some just uh, some folding chairs, you know, and set up some cameras, a tape recorder. Uh, matter of fact, we set up several tape recorders because we took a walk through the cemetery first. But you mentioned earlier something that happened to you on our investigation. There used to be a wooden bench that was back against the fence at the southeast corner of the graveyard. And the wooden bench is no longer there because over the years it's rotted and it's it's just pieces of it remain there. But uh, but anyhow, Chris sat on the bench where we're standing there just kind of listening. Janet's seated. And I'm just kind of looking around in, through the in the woods, but it's dark. And Chris, is it the same bench that I was on? It's the very same bench. So yeah. it's right up against the tree line, just so you yes. know. Like people, yeah. like it, the bench is literally, there's trees right, the forest is right behind you. Right. If, so if you sat on this bench, your back is to the woods. Yeah, yeah. Which is what you did. Mm-hmm. But you reacted the same way I'm going to describe here. Um, just out of the blue, Chris jumped up off the bench and kind of whirled around and said, man, there's, it feels like there's somebody behind me. So I shine my light. There's nobody there. And I just started snapping some photos. And anyhow, we didn't see anything. And then, um, so, so uh, basically, we're standing there looking in the woods and not seeing anything when just out of the blue, we heard something big in the woods. And it sounded like a person in there. And then all of a sudden, we could see the, like the movement of the, of the small trees and stuff and the underbrush in the woods. You could see something big in there moving around, you know. And so I shine my flashlight in there, and we couldn't, we didn't see anything, and the movement stopped. So I looked on the ground, and there was a walnut. So I picked up a walnut, and where the last where I'd last seen the movement, I picked up the walnut, threw it in there, thinking if there's some kind of an animal, a deer or something, it would it would startle it out of there. So I I fired this walnut into the into the the, the, the grass or weeds there, and within seconds, we hear something come flying. Through the through the grass and stuff in the in the in the, the small trees in the woods, you can hear it hitting the branches and stuff. Like something comes back and bounces up and hits Chris. And when I shine my light down there, it was a walnut. And 
the place is not abundant with walnuts out there, but we could hear that walnut being fired back through, like I said, the underbrush and stuff. <laughs> so it wasn't like it fell from a tree that might have been above us or anything like that, but it bounced up and hit Chris, and we're just like all looking at each right. other, you know? So then I start looking at my camera from the photos I took, and you're going to post this this photo uh, on our page here. But uh, But anyhow, when I was looking through the photos, there was this red mist in the photo. And first I started thinking, well, maybe there's a piece of red lint on my lens or something that made it look like there was mist. But then I noticed that the red mist, you can see like a leaf with holes in it. And part of the red mist is behind the hole in the leaf, which meant that the mist was there, you know, in the woods. It wasn't something that was right in front of my camera. So I, that's one of the few photos in my 21 years that I can't explain because right. there was nothing out there that would reflect red. None of us had red on. Or, uh, there was... No infrared or anything that would have caused that. But but anyhow, as we're looking at um, the photos, out of the blue, I heard a muffled scream. And I said, listen, you guys hear that? Uh, it's screaming. And Janet said, uh, yeah, I hear it. And I said, is it coming from the woods? And then Chris, for, at first Chris says, I don't hear anything. And then he says, yeah, yeah, now I hear it. And then the next thing you know, we hear multiple screams. But they're muffled. And we're standing there listening still, trying to hear, you know, what the heck is it? Then just I, I suddenly I noticed, wait a minute, this isn't coming from the woods. This is coming from right here where we're standing. It was coming from the ground. So I said that. I said, listen, the screams are coming from the ground. And as crazy as that sounds, Chris and Janet said, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's coming from right here where we are. Then, you know, later on, I started thinking about what the little girl said in the, or what the old woman told the little girl, you know, how the children were underground. So somehow we're... Were we hearing the voices maybe of whatever this woman was describing, you know? But uh, so anyhow, um, we're still in the southeast corner of the cemetery when all of a sudden we hear a car coming in headlights. And I'm figuring that it's the Shelby County Sheriff's Office because I, I met a deputy sheriff out there one night. And, and he told me he was okay with me investigating. He, that he came out there looking for kids, you know, and, and, and drug dealers and that kind of thing, uh, that, that type of activity going on. But anyhow, as we get closer— um, we, we want to meet the, the guy and, and say, hey, you know, this is us. We're investigating tonight. Just want to let you know who it is. Well, it turns out it wasn't the sheriff's office. It was just a, a car and a woman and a, and a teenage boy get out. And they approach us and, uh, and they say, uh, are you guys uh, investigators? I guess because we had some equipment on us. And they said, yeah, we're paranormal investigators. And they said, well, we came over from Mattoon because we'd heard stories about this place and we wanted to see if we could experience it. And the woman was pretty loud because she she had a can of beer in her hand, so she'd been drinking and oh, driving. You know? And the, the young, the nephew, you could tell he had a, an actual interest in the paranormal. He was a nice kid, and I'm guessing he's you know 12, 13 years old. But anyhow, they said, uh, "Have you guys seen anything yet?" And we told them no because we wanted them to leave, right? Because right, right. we had recorders and stuff right. set up. But anyhow, we didn't tell them anything that had happened. So. Um, they start walking around the cemetery. So I say, hey, why don't we take a walk down the road, just see if we can experience anything, see anything. We'll take our recorders with us. And, you know, maybe by the time we get back, they'll be gone. So before we did that, though, we, we picked up our chairs and stuff because we didn't really trust the people. We didn't know them. We thought, well, maybe they'll walk off with our, with our camping chairs, you know. So we kind of were going to take them back to the car. Well, we decided to set just a few minutes under the large oak tree and see if we could hear or see anything before we went down the road. So, so we were, and as we're sitting there, we're all facing opposite directions. I, I believe, I think Janet was facing the south, and I was facing uh, the west, and Chris was facing the north. And just out of the blue, Chris yells out, "Look, look up in there above the trees!" 
And we didn't know where to look. So and we go, where? You know, he goes, there, there, there. And he's pointing. So we see where he's pointing. And he was kind of pointing towards the north. He said, don't you get, did you guys see it? And we said, no, what'd you see? And he said he saw an orange ball of light about the size of a basketball. He said it looked like it was under, like somebody was landing it, like it was under intelligent control, because he said it was actually slowing down and just kind of glided down into the woods. So we thought, well, that's our cue. Let's head down the road and see if we can see it, you know. So we, we tossed our chairs in the back of my vehicle, and we headed down the road, and we didn't see anything. And we're gone for about 45 minutes. You know, we get back finally, and we open the gate. And when we open the gate, it's noisy, and the and the, 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 the lady and her nephew heard us. So they come running toward us saying, hey, have you guys seen anything yet? You know, this the kid asking. He's all excited. Have you guys seen anything yet? We said no. And he says, man, we have. And I said, well, what have you seen? And he said, well, he said, first thing I did was, he said, I, I decided to sit on that bench over there. And when I did, he said, I'd only been there a couple minutes. But he said, it felt like there was somebody standing right behind me. So he said, I got off that bench as fast as I could. And, and he said, my aunt shined her light, but there was nobody there. But he said, it just felt like somebody was standing there. So that's confirmation of what happened to Chris. So then he says, the next thing that happened was, he said, there's something big in that woods over there. He said, we could hear it moving. And he said, we shined our lights in there. We didn't see anything, but you could hear it moving around in there. So he said, we thought we better back off from the woods in case there was a, you know, an animal in there, you know. So they start heading back towards the large oak tree. And then the kid says, but the coolest thing we saw was this he said it was a neon green ball of light, and he described it as being about the size of a, a between a softball and a basketball. He said, but what it was doing, he said it was it was like floating around like a fish in water, just going all over the place. <laughs> and then he said, just out of the blue, it just vanished into thin air and was gone. But he said it was a bright blue neon green light. So it makes you wonder, you know, did Chris and the the the, the boy and the lady, did they see the same thing Chris did? Only it changed colors, or did they see something different? Hmm. But they basically confirmed right. pretty much everything that happened to us. Oh, and, and I forgot to tell you, too, that they also confirmed, we didn't ask him this, but they said, and I forgot to add this, was they heard screaming as well. And he said it was coming from the woods. They didn't say it was coming from underground, but they said they heard the muffled screams, too. Jeez. You know, so, so they basically, excuse me, confirmed everything <laughs> that, uh, that had happened to us. Um, uh, the, the next story I'm going to tell you, and I know we're running out of time here, but um, just by chance, I just... I discovered that there's a particular grave out there that when women are, are near the grave, just out of the blue, they'll break down and start crying. How did you discover this? Do you remember like when you I first do. discovered this? Oh, yeah. You were out there with people that were just all of a sudden— Well, the same night—this um, is part of the story, but the same night um, when we first got to the southeast— cor- well, I take that back. It wasn't when we first got there. It was when we came With back. Janet and Chris, the night you guys saw the green balls. And everything. Yes, okay. yes. It was after this couple or a couple, the the you know the the, the nephew and the aunt took off. Okay, um, that we're over by. The southeast corner. So that well, night is when you first figured out. Yeah. With Janet, the well, one that was sensitive. What happens right? is, Janet was standing there and just out of the blue, she starts. I mean, just bawling in front of this tombstone. Yeah, but I, we didn't know. We why didn't she associate was crying. with the, stum- the tombstone. Okay. Yeah, we didn't know why she was crying. We said, well, what's wrong, Janet? And she says, well, I don't know, but I'm picking up feelings from this gravestone. So we shine our lights on the gravestone, and it's a gravestone of a young boy. Okay. And I'm not going to give his full name, but his 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 first name is Thaddeus. Okay. Um, 
And he on his in the front of the tombstone, there's a picture of him, and he's wearing a yellow baseball uniform, got a yeah. baseball hat, and he's carrying he has a baseball bat. But anyhow, she says, whatever it is, it's coming from this tombstone. And she couldn't stop crying. So we decided just to, to mosey on a little bit. We moved on. But later that night, we came back, and the same thing happened to her again. She got so emotional she, again. She did. She yeah. did. And that was so, the very first time you well, that was experienced the, that. That was the first time I'd ever had a female with me. Okay. So then a couple weeks later, I took a, a small group out there that wanted to see Will Hill. Okay. We weren't doing an investigation, just went to see it. And there was a, a lady named Laura with us. And we're all standing under the big oak tree, and it's 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 getting dark, so it's it's almost sunset. It's getting dark, and we were heading towards the southeast, but we were standing, and I was telling some a few stories, and just out of the blue, this Laura wanders off on her own, which I thought was unusual because we're all going to go over there anyway. Huh. But she just wanders off on her own, and we're standing there talking. And then I said, "Well, I'm going to go see what she's doing." So I just walked over there, and I said, you know, I said, "Hey, Laura," and when she turned around, she was crying, and I said, "Well, what's what's going on?" She said, "I don't know. I just suddenly got emotional." Well, I started looking around, and I noticed, well, she's standing by the same grave that Janet pointed out. <laughs> it's you know? crazy. So then, over the over the years, uh, and we even did this on our investigation, right. which we won't go into detail, but um, I took several other women out there, but a couple times I made the mistake of telling them what happened. Before you got to the tombstone. Before right, we right, got right. to the graveyard. And so intentionally you're putting that thought in their brain, and maybe yep. they're over there and they start getting emotional. But they didn't. The The, the two women I told about it, Nothing happened. Okay. So then later on, I, I, I went out there. Uh, this I'm talking maybe a few months later with uh, another female. And I I'd never th- even thought anything about it that night. And we get over in the southeast corner. I'm telling her this is where most things happen. And all of a sudden, she just starts sobbing. Well, then I started bringing women out there intentionally, not telling them. And I found out that— So it was a test, and you were putting two and two together now. And you're like, all right, let's test this theory. <laughs> exactly. And there's there's been at least a dozen women that I've taken out there that, w- without knowing, have, have just broken down sobbing. And your wife knows you're going out there with these women, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but And, and Kathy, Kathy's only been out there once, and she won't she doesn't like it. Okay. So. But anyhow, then um, in—I think it was 2015, the local— um, Taylorville Historical Society had me do an investigation in one of their buildings out there. But anyhow, I didn't get anything that, well, I did, but uh, but it wasn't enough. And so anyhow, they wanted me to do a presentation. They wanted me to do a presentation uh, about uh, some places I'd been at their historical society. So I did. And they put an ad in the paper and they wanted to know some of the places I would, was going to talk about. And one of the places I mentioned was Williamsburg Hill. So 65 people showed up that day. So that's a pretty good crowd <laughs> for them, you know. And I give my presentation and all during the presentation, I told a lot of stories. And one of the sto- stories I told about Williamsburg Hill was the story about the boy's grave. Mm-hmm. And I didn't give his name. I just told the story. And after my presentation's over, I said, has anybody got any questions? Nobody. So anyhow, I'm packing my stuff up. And this lady walks up to me and she said, Mr. Wilson, I got a, something I want to ask you. She said, do you mind? I said, no. And she says, hang on just a second. And she's going through her phone. And she said, is this the grave you're talking about? And she's got a picture of this little boy's grave. And she said, the reason I'm showing you this picture is, she said, when I saw in the paper that you would be talking about Williamsburg Hill, she said, I decided to come because she said, a couple of weeks ago, I went to Ridge Cemetery for the first time ever, and I'm just walking around, everything's fine, and I stopped by this little boy's grave, and she said, out of the blue, I just lost it. She said, I could not stop crying. I had to leave the graveyard, and when I got back to the parking lot, I was able to finally stop crying. But she said... I was going to ask you, bring up during your presentation, if you'd ever heard that story, but you brought it up. But you said that exact same thing happened to me. So in 20, um, 2017, I believe it was, um, 
I took a friend from work, 2016, I took a friend named Nicole and her stepsister, Kylie, and her stepdad um, out to the cemetery. And she had asked me during October if I would take the, you know, because, and I'd been on an investigation with them before because they're interested in the paranormal. And I took them to Norb Andes one time. But anyhow, she said, would you take us to another place? So I thought about Will Hill. But I, I said to her, if I take you guys, you and your sister have to do an experiment. And I said, it's nothing scary, nothing you have to do by yourself, but I can't tell you what it is. And so she agreed to it. So we get out there and um, we pull into the cemetery and we raise the, hat, the hatch on my, you know, my SUV. And I had my, my baseball bat in the back of it because I don't carry a gun and I carry the bat out there in case some undesirable shows up, you know. And just for protection, or a wild animal. If the whistles come back. If the whistles come back, <laughs> absolutely. So anyhow, um, the coldest says, well, what's the baseball bat for? And I explained what I just said to you. you know, it's kind of for protection. So anyhow, we walk around the cemetery. We set up our chairs over in the southeast corner. And we'd only been there maybe a half hour. And we were planning on staying all night anyway because the younger sister had school. We all had work the next day. you know. So we were going to stay at about 2 o'clock or so. But anyhow, we, we set up our equipment, and I think, well, now's a good time to try the experiment. So I said, okay, let's try this experiment. So I have Nicole. I say, Nicole, um, let's try you first. And so I take her by the hand because it's dark, and I guided her backwards uh, in front of the, the boy's grave. And I said, just tell me how you feel. And all of a sudden she says, I don't know what it is, but I'm getting teary-eyed. I'm, I'm starting to get emotional. And I tried to steer away from the feeling of, you know, of sadness. And I said, well, you don't feel anything else. And she says, no, I just feel really sad. So I grabbed her by the hand, guided her away, and I said, Kylie, it's your turn. Let's try it. And I, so I backed Kylie into, or next to the grave. And again, they can't see the grave uh, because it's so dark. But anyhow, I said, just tell me how you, and before I could really even get feel out, Kylie got so emotional, she started sh uh, shaking and sobbing and was about ready to drop to one knee when I had to grab hold of her because I thought she was going to fall or faint. So I, so I led her away from the, the tombstone. Then I showed the, the grave, you know, to them. And, uh, and they both said, yeah, I can't believe what happened. We both got uh, emotional. Another confirmation. It was another confirmation. But what was really odd was Nicole told me, she said, you know, I'm the one that gets extremely emotional about things. But I didn't. I got a little emotional, but Kylie never gets emotional. And she just fell all to pieces, mm -hmm. you know, so they couldn't understand that. So anyhow, one of the clips you're going to play today, uh, let me explain it, we're we're, we had gone back to my vehicle. We're getting ready to leave, so we have to go back to uh, the southeast corner to pick up our equipment. And I had placed a audio recorder uh, next to the young man's grave, so it was recording. So we're walking back toward the grave, and you'll hear the one sister say, "What time is it?" I forgot to look. Followed by the stepdad saying, uh, "One one thirty, and then the other sister immediately says, "One fifty, and then you'll hear this whispery voice that we didn't hear. What time did your phone say for the hide and look? About one thirty. One fifty. I swear it. We made it too. What time did your phone say for the hide and look? About one thirty. One fifty. Yeah, that whisper there, it always it always gets me, man. I get chills. Every yeah. time I hear that, I get chills, man. So what do you think that whisper's saying? Can I swing it? What time did your phone say for the hide and look? About one thirty. One fifty. I swing it. We made it to two. I swing it. 
Can and, I swing it? And it sounds like a, a young person's voice. Yeah, young person whispering, can I swing it? So, and uh, So a, a couple of days after that, um, I didn't find it for a couple of days because mm-hmm. I didn't look go through my audio. But when I did, that's when I found it. So I, I sent an email to Nicole with the clip. And I said, listen to this. And I told her what I thought it said. And she and uh, Kylie and Todd, the stepdad, they all listened to it. And they all agreed. It says, can I swing it? But then Nicole said something I hadn't thought of. She said, Larry, what do you think? Because the little boy was dressed as a baseball player, so he must have liked baseball. You had your baseball bat with you, and we were talking about it. Do you think he was asking if he could swing your baseball bat? And I thought, <laughs> man, that, that makes sense, you know? That's creepy. Yeah. So are you ready? You want to play the next clip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get into the next Let one. Me, we got to wrap it up here. Well, this clip you recorded on our, what we call the Thrill of Hill investigation in 2012. <laughs> it was a thrill. Yes, it was. And just so you know, about the story and the emotional status of females, we have a story about our investigation, yes, we too, do. that confirms it yet again. Yes. So we'll get to that during our investigation. And, and you didn't really believe it when I told you until no, you, after you, the fact. you told me Ahead the story, but not the girls. Right. Which right. was, it blew me away. Yeah, exactly. So anyhow, we recorded a clip this particular night that sounded almost... Um, mechanical. And at the time that you found it, you had one of your, I think, engineers here listen to it. And he basically, because there's a microwave tower in the area. We don't know if it works or not. But anyhow, we thought, well, maybe it distorted the, the voice on the recorder. But the engineer said, no, that doesn't make sense because all your other voices should have been distorted, that your recordings all night should have been distorted, and they weren't. They weren't. So for some reason, this was distorted. Was distorted. You first figured out what we thought it said. Right. Originally, we thought it said, it's Larry's girl. And, and there's a history with that because I lost a little girl years ago, you know, the, uh, uh, before she was born. But anyhow, you thought it said, it's Larry's girl. So for quite a few years, we've thought that it said, it's Larry's girl. But anyhow, before you play it, after my book came out this year, I received a message from a friend of this little boy's, and she's a friend of his mother's. And... You know, in my book, I talked about the clip I just played, and they had read my book. And for for years, I've been wanting to contact the mother, but I didn't know how she would feel about somebody recording around, you know, her loved one's grave. And I, and I thought it might upset her, so I never did contact her. But she said, we read your book, and absolutely, you know, his name was Thaddeus, absolutely, and she called him Thaddeus. Absolutely, he loved baseball, and his mother said that would be something that he would ask to do. Well, anyhow, I went back after I talked to them just to listen to this clip, because all the clips except one I've recorded around the young man's grave. And when I listened to this clip again, it was plain as day after she called him Thaddy. It wasn't saying Larry, it's Larry's girl. It's saying it's Thaddy's girl. It's Thaddy's girl. That's crazy. And it's plain. And that other little voice at the end, I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. It almost sounds like, um, play play one more time. It almost sounds like Lucas or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird because there's two different things there. Yeah. And like we talked about, the, the robotic tone... I, when I heard that, when I 
picked that up on our recorder because we did this. Uh, the way I recorded, remember, I took a microphone with yeah. me and did it on a handheld recorder so that I could get really good audio yes, right next to me the whole time. And that's we picked that up while we were by that grave. And when we found that, I was like, just like, what the heck? Like, because yeah. it, it stands out so absolutely so big. So that's a man. That's again another creepy, goosebumpy story. And have you played that clip for the mom? I have not yet. What I'm going to do, um, the, the the lady that contacted me said that she'd like to meet me out there someday. So I think I want to do that, and I want to you know do it when I'm ready to do that because I want to have the clip. Why do you think it would say it's Thaddy's girl while we're out there and she's not with us? I don't know. The only thing I could think of is it's referring to one of the girls that was with us, which is either Taylor or, or Sarah, and maybe. Do spirits joke? You know, do spirits joke? I don't know. Was it saying that's Thaddy's girl? Because one of the clips, which we'll play, it says, uh, I feel Sarah, which was your co-host name at that time. Yeah. And uh, when we play that, it'll blow people away, too, right. because it's clear. <laughs> so was he talking, were they talking about Sarah as his girl, you know? I love it, man. I can't wait. I, we need to go back out there. We, we always we talk about these places that we need to go revisit. Well, we need to do that. We haven't scheduled our Halloween investigation this year. And one of the locals out there has activity going in his house and has had things happen to him in the woods. And he offered, because I interviewed him, and he offered to allow us to come out there. So maybe we'll do that. Okay. That's episode 11, guys, the Will Hill investigation. We will get to that yet again when we talk about the thrill on the hill and um, our 99.7 investigation with Tuna Mel, who was an intern at the time, Taylor from WFMB, and Sarah Hunter, Sarah Savannah. Uh, That's a lot of fun. We've got some great clips from that investigation, Larry. Uh, Not just the Thaddeus girl there, but, man, there's one that uh, a spirit box session that we do that, again, I'm not a big believer in those spirit boxes, but this one made me... (laughs) Made me kind of wonder, okay, maybe there is something to the spirit box stuff. So episode 11 in the books, guys. We're going to take a week off because I'll be on vacation. We're going to close it down with episode 12, which is the Cumberland Sugar Creek Cemetery uh, episode. And then we're going to wrap it up with Larry's uh, five EVPs that affected uh, his life the most. Well, Cumberland Sugar Creek is going to be interesting if you're interested in UFOs and Bigfoot because as weird as it sounds in central Illinois, (laughs) it may have happened. That's right. So that's going to do it for episode 11. Larry, thank you so much, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in again next week as Bonzi and I once again pull the string and unravel more mysteries of the paranormal. Until then, happy hauntings.